This is a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hi there, welcome back to another episode of Eat Drink Asia. I'm Bernice Chan. Hey there, and I'm Alkira Ryan Frank. On today's episode, we start with a riot. Did you hear that? Let's get closer. That was on the 7th of October 2017, when fast food chain McDonald's in the US brought back Sichuan dipping sauce for one day only. I want Sichuan sauce. Where's my Sichuan sauce? I'm Pickle Rick! People went absolutely crazy over the sauce. There were people who traded it for a car or bought it for nearly $15,000 US on eBay. And even now, when we try to get the sauce online to do a tasting, it's... How much is it, Okira? Hang on, let let me Google it. Szechuan dipping sauce. It's almost $2,000 for like the limited edition. Okay, forget it. We don't have that budget. (laughs) You won't buy it for me? No. All this for Sichuan sauce. Is it worth it? You're not missing anything. You're not missing anything. So it got us thinking. What is real Sichuan food? Really good Sichuanese meal is just like a roller coaster ride, and you'll have spicy notes, you'll have sweet and sour. And where does that famous numbing sensation come from? Um, so, Sichuan pepper is the little um, berries of this spiky shrub that grows in, in the mountains. And um, when you put it in your mouth and chew it, you get this amazing, um, tingly, numbing sensation. And it's not all about heat. In fact, one-third of traditional Sichuan cuisine is not spicy at all. Even Barack Obama tried it, and he loves it. Pasty, pasty, that's soft bean curd. Make from chicken meat or something. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But behind the diversity and beauty of Sichuan food lies a dark and bloody history. They killed everybody. This is Eat Drink Asia, where we dive into Asian foods that have gone global. Stay with us. First of all, we need to solve one question. Where is this Sichuan sauce from? Well, 20 years ago, Now, in America, there was a movie called Mulan. This is Kevin Pang. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Takeout, a food and pop culture website, and I'm here to talk about Sichuan sauce. Right. Back to Mulan. The fact that there was a Chinese heroine that was the the, the star of the movie, I mean, that was uh, kind of mind-blowing, especially in American pop culture 20 years ago. In honor of Disney's new movie, Mulan, the epic adventure about this cool girl who saves China, McDonald's... So as part of that tie-in, McDonald's introduced this sauce, and they would call this Sichuan sauce. And a new Sichuan sauce for a taste of the East. Starting Tuesday, get six pieces for 99 cents. Or 20 pieces for three. Remember, this was in 1998. 
when Chinese food didn't have much exposure beyond Cantonese food, let alone Sichuan food. In fact, not many people can even pronounce the name Sichuan. Hmm. But Mulan wasn't even from Sichuan, right? It was a novelty. I, I would say it was a big hit. And please hurry, or Gan Boy over here may never stop. So the sauce did well, but it only lasted for less than two months. And then it was gone, disappeared. After all, it was just one of the many chicken McNugget sauces that McDonald's came up with until... Forever. And I'll, and I'll, I'll go out and I'll find some more of that Mulan Szechuan teriyaki dipping sauce, Morty. Because that's, 19 that's years later, the adult cartoon show Rick and Morty, it was basically about a mad scientist called Rick Sanchez and his adventures with his grandson called Morty. And in this episode in 2017... The show began with Rick in this very uh, hallucinogenic uh, dream sequence, and he was dreaming that he was at a McDonald's and he was getting to... Uh, taste the Szechuan sauce before it went out of circulation. And so for the remainder of the show, it became this running joke that, you know, all he wanted was the McDonald's to bring Szechuan sauce back. Because the show is so popular, extremely popular, McDonald's announced it would bring back Szechuan sauce for one day at selected stores. And that's why you were hearing people chanting about the sauce earlier. So when that day happened, the best way to describe it was that all hell broke loose. Although the limited supply angered a lot of Rick and Morty fans, it was really a successful PR stunt. It got more people's attention, and McDonald's eventually brought the sauce back for another couple of weeks. But how did it taste? Did it have that Szechuan kick? The way that I remembered it was it tasted mostly sweet. It also tasted a little bit savory and salty, and there was a little bit of vinegar as well. Kevin said it wasn't bad, and if you can just treat it as a fast food, and in its own Chinese-American genre, it can even be quite tasty, and it tells something about being American. It was very, uh, uh, very bold, and I think that really describes America quite well. You know, we are quite, we can be on the extreme of things, you know, where perhaps we're not, there's not a lot of subtlety and nuance in our in our food, we like things quite loud. And I think that might be a bit of an overgeneralization of what American food is. But in terms of American fast food, uh, you know, it's very, uh, I think this Szechuan sauce, it, it represents uh, America quite well. Hmm. So does that apply to other foreign exotic food in America? What you just said about the sauce being as American as it gets? Yeah, I mean, you look at things like, look at what sushi is, right? You know, the idea that you can find sushi at a gas station uh, in, in America. By the way, I'm glad Kevin mentioned sushi, because in our last episode, we discovered that people used to throw away the rice in the original sushi. So don't forget to check that one out. It's, uh, it's full of uh, sauces. It's full of, uh, you know, mayo. It's got 10 different ingredients inside it. It's very loud. You're not tasting any subtleties in say like a nigiri sushi, you're tasting a California roll that's got tons of spicy mayo on it, right? So that's an example of Americans taking a food and making it their own. So I, so to answer your question, yes, uh, uh, this is what we're really good at. We take other people's food and we make it our own and we make it uh, big and loud and uh, 
a lot of times it's delicious too. So when you say loud, do you mean like like you said bold, or do you mean straightforward? Uh, I would say bold. I would say we like things very, very, very sweet. Uh, we like things very salty. You know, it's on the it's on the extreme of things, right? Basically, you take uh, any food we have and turn the dial up uh, two or three more degrees, and uh, that's the way we like it. You know, you look at the food at popular American restaurants. We, I, I would say, we're not a fan of subtlety. We like to load things on. We like shock value in a lot of our foods. Uh, you know, that's just the American way. <laughs> so how does this Sichuan sauce from McDonald's, how does it compare with authentic Sichuan food? Uh, not at all. If you tasted this, I think you would be horrified. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way to describe it. Okay, so apparently McDonald's Sichuan sauce is as American as it can get. So we wondered what real Sichuan food is like. This looks so good. We went to Sichuan Lab, a restaurant in Wan Chai in Hong Kong that serves traditional Sichuan food, and we visited its executive chef, Kenny Chan Kai Tak. (laughs) Chef Kenny was born and raised in a chef's family in Hong Kong. But because his family is originally from Sichuan, he became interested in cooking Sichuan cuisine. When I was 13, 12 years old, I started cooking some dishes such as mapo tofu and twice-cooked pork at home. He used to cook Cantonese food, but he told us he prefers to cook Sichuan food. And that's because there aren't many chefs left who understand how to cook classic Sichuan food and he feels obliged to pass it on. And also, compared to Sichuan food, other Chinese cuisines are boring. If you are used to eating Sichuan food, you would find other food tasteless. Okay, to understand what Chef Kenny means by tasteless, we need to back up a little bit. For people who haven't tried Sichuan food, Sichuan cuisine is indeed famous for being mala, which literally means numbing and hot. The numbing comes from an indigenous pepper called Sichuan pepper. It is related to citrus plants. It has this gorgeous, gorgeous smell. This is Fuchsia Dunlop. And I'm a British cook and food writer specialising in Chinese cuisine. Fuchsia is especially interested in Sichuan food. She studied in Sichuan in the mid-1990s and trained as a chef at the Sichuan Institute of Higher Cuisine. Um, So Sichuan pepper is the little um, berries of this spiky shrub that grows in in the mountains. And um, when you put it in your mouth and chew it, you get this amazing um, tingly, numbing sensation, which they describe in Chinese as ma, which is the same word as pins and needles and anesthesia. (laughs) So that describes the sensation. Right. So the numbing, tingling sensation and the heat that comes with the chili peppers are both key elements in Sichuan food. But it's much more than that. The real Sichuan food is... It's about fu wei, complex, multi-layered. And for people who uh, don't know what Sichuan cuisine is, uh, how would you characterise it? Well, there's that stereotype that it's all just very fiery and hot. And, of course, the Sichuanese love using chilies and Sichuan pepper with its lip-tingling sensation. 
But that's just part of the story. And the really interesting thing about Citronese cuisine is its diversity of flavors. So, for example, when I was learning to be a chef there, we studied 23 different complex flavors, a bit like French classic sauces, you know, with different balances of sweet and sour and spicy and tingly and so on. And um, some of them were very hot. So, for example, you have the mala flavor, numbing and hot, where you have a lot of chili and Sichuan pepper. Um, but there were also very gently hot dishes like yu xiang wei, um, fish fragrant flavor, um, which is based on pickled chilies, which are not that hot. They're just lovely and fruity and delicious and a little bit spicy with ginger, garlic, spring onion, a bit of sweet and sour. Um, and then there were lots of dishes and flavors that were not hot, like dishes made with so-called lychee flavor, li ziwei. So you'll have spicy notes, you'll have sweet and sour, you'll have very gentle dishes, usually a very light broth. But it's constantly stimulating and interesting because of this vast range of different tastes. So a really good Sichuanese meal is just like a roller coaster ride. And to most people's surprise, even including Chinese people, there are many dishes. In fact, one third of traditional Sichuan cuisine is not spicy at all. One of these dishes can be traced back to 1300 years ago. It's called Ji Dou Hua. In the Tang Dynasty, Guizhou was the penal colony for the royalty. The then prince, Li Chengqian, was exiled to Pengshui, Guizhou, which is very close to Sichuan. Now, rumor has it that seeing the prince upset and have no appetite, his mate, Ke Xin, wanted to make something nice to help him eat. She minced the chicken meat and mixed it with egg white, boiled the mixture in a chicken broth. The dish looked like tofu, but was made of chicken. It had 1,300 years of history. And even Barack Obama tried it. Obama tried it when he visited. And he loved it. So they even changed the name of the dish to... President's soft bean curd, made from chicken meat. So it went from prince dish to president dish. <laughs> yep. And Chef Kenny thinks this is one of the first molecular gastronomy dishes. This is first happening about molecular gastronomy in China. Very long time ago. Because think about it. You don't see the chicken when you're eating chicken because it looks like tofu. Yes, yes, we had it 1,300 years ago. You don't see what you are eating. You don't see the chicken while eating the chicken. It's deconstructed and reconstructed. So you're saying that ancient Chinese cooks are on the front line of modern cuisine? That's right. And Rick and Morty fans, I'm really sorry, but I have to break it to you. There's no such thing as Sichuan sauce in China. But there is one thick sauce that is the soul and core of Sichuan food. The famous Sichuan chili bean paste um, made in the county town of Pixian, which is near Chengdu. And this chili bean paste is made 
from um, this chili, the Argentiao, which is pickled with salt. And then it's mixed with fermented broad beans, fava beans. And the two are mixed together and then they are left in great jars, traditionally great clay jars, to ferment for one year, two years, three years, typically. And over time, it gets this wonderful, savory, spicy flavor, and um, it becomes very dark and intense. So, so a good chili bean paste is a sort of deep red, often even chestnutty color. Mm. Um, and that paste, you never eat it raw, but you sizzle it in oil, and it makes the oil go a lovely red color, um, deep red color, and creates these spicy, savory flavors. And that is the key seasoning in dishes like mapo tofu. And um, it's used also in hot pot and fish braised in chili bean sauce. So that's another key seasoning. Chef Kenny actually told us an interesting story about this sauce. It was actually a Fujianese who invented the chili bean sauce. This person from Fujian carried a bag of beans on the way to Sichuan. He was caught in the rain and the beans got wet. He was worried that they wouldn't last for long, so he boiled them with salt and chili pepper and made this chili bean sauce. Sichuan food, along with the place, has such a rich history that we can talk about it for days. However, behind the diversity of the food lies a dark history. At the end of the Ming Dynasty and in the beginning of Qing Dynasty, there was a revolt leader called Zhang Xianzhong who killed many Sichuanese in his ruling of Sichuan. Because of his massacre, Sichuan was heavily depopulated in a short amount of time and its economy was therefore crippled. The Qing government realized that they would get no tax revenue from the area, so they forced people from the neighboring provinces, such as Hunan, Hubei, Guangdong, Guangxi, to move to Sichuan. These migrants were sent to Sichuan under escort with their hands tied with ropes. So even now in Sichuan dialect, people refer to going to the bathroom as untie hands, which was a legacy from that migration. So the migrants also brought a lot of different lifestyles, habits, including their cuisine and techniques, all of which enriched the Sichuan culture. Wow, you, you just wouldn't even think that there was this history behind Sichuan food, such, such a heavy, dark history. Yeah, so turbulent and so bloody. Mm. But I think that's the most interesting thing with uh, certain cuisines and dishes is that there is this political element. There's, there's a story behind it, and I think it's very important to tell that. That's pretty much our episode for today, but I do have one fun fact to leave you with. Back in the old times, rich people used to hide their enjoyment of spicy foods because spicy food was a poor man's dish. They think um, ma and la is a poor man's taste. And Sichuan people's taste in food also reflects their characters sometimes called la meza, like Spice Girls or, you know, hot, young, trendily dressed, young Sichuanese women. 
Well, the women there are known to be quite spicy and have spicy tempers. So don't mess with a Sichuan woman, basically. If you'd like to find out more about Sichuan food and cooking, pick up a copy of Fuchsia's book, The Food of Sichuan. It's out in October. This episode is produced and edited by Yang Yang. And we want to thank Kevin Pang, Fuchsia Dunlop, Chef Kenny Chan, and our intern King Wu. If you want to ask us about a dish or a drink, tweet us at Beijing Calling and at Alkira Ryan Frank. Eat Drink Asia is a monthly podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Shimalaya. Basically, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, happy eating! Happy eating.